Take your Bibles, if you will, and open them to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And let me read you uh, just four verses. <clears throat> you follow in your copies of um, God's Word as I read you the first four verses of Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, that endures forever. Gang, have you ever noticed how often God uses food to test his people? Um... Starts in Genesis 3, you may recall. Um, God sets Adam and Eve in a, in a perfect garden, and he says, uh, there's an apple over there, and I don't want you to eat it. Then you see another food test, not too much later. Um, well, I guess in terms of years, it was plenty later, but it's in Exodus. Chapter 16, you remember um, Israel had come out of Egypt, and they're wandering around in the wilderness, and they're all... murmuring and complaining, and their complaint was they didn't have enough food. So God says, all right, um, I'll give you some food. And that whole manna experience, and, and if you look at it, um, in verse 4, it starts with God saying, I'm going to test you. I mean, that whole manna experience, guys, was a test. You do know that, I hope. And then uh, much later, uh, after Israel had been dragged into the Babylonian captivity, remember in the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and uh, they're in chapter 1 of the book of Daniel. They're imprisoned, and um, their first, I guess their first temptation was over food uh, because they were offered the king's portion and the king's dainties and... and um, and Daniel and his three buddies said, no, no, we don't want to eat that. <clears throat> how about how about something else? I think you know the story. And gave him a little 10-day trial period, and it worked out. You come over to the New Testament, and there's, there's more. There's more food tests. Um, there's one in Matthew 14 where um, the 5,000 had gathered to hear Jesus speak and um, really... Swept away and caught up with all that he was saying and comes towards the end of the day and, and the disciples come and say, listen, Jesus, you got to send these people home. I mean, they had nothing to eat and they were out here in the wilderness. And, and in one of the, the classic understatements of the New Testament, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you feed them. <laughs> and Peter's thinking, what? How? Where? When? What? 
And, of course, you know that Jesus goes on to feed them. Guys, um, a food test poses a question. Um, the, the question that it poses is something like this. Is God trustable for my life? Is, is, is God trustable to meet my needs? Is he someone that I can trust that will indeed meet my needs? Is, is my confidence in God or is it in the grocery store? Uh, is, is my future well-being, is that in my hands or is that in God's? Gang, food is a test. A, a test of faith, because food is life. Now, the impact of what I just said is lost on us. Um, that, that the weight and force of a food test is really lost on people like us, because we've, we've, never, been, we've never been hungry, much less starving. I mean, my goodness, we've never even been close to starving. So, talking about food being life, is it doesn't really register with us that well uh, because if worse came to worse we could always eat out of the refrigerator for six or eight days but if you've ever gone to haiti or places like it it'll strike you that when those folks get up in the morning from the from the moment they get up the search for food is on they, they start searching for food in the morning and, and they search for it until they go to bed because food's life. Uh, you know, uh, you see that kind of thing um, in John chapter 6. You remember, John chapter 6 is a, it's a huge portion, um, a hugely important portion of the scripture. Jesus walks on water and all that business, but he, he feeds another crowd in John 6, but he says this to the crowd. He says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your full of the loaves. You're full of the loaves. I know why you guys are out here. It's not because you saw something special in me. It's not because you've been struck with how unique is my person. It's not that. I know why you're here. You're here because I fed you. You came, you heard, and it was okay, but, you know, then you got a meal out of this old gig. And he, he goes on to say, uh, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. You know, you're laboring, you're striving, and that's what you see in Haiti. They labor and strive over, over food that perishes because food's life. And again, that doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but in a lot of cultures it does, ladies and gentlemen. So you see, in the New Testament, when Jesus uses the image of a big feast to, to describe his kingdom, you know, on a, several occasions, on a couple of three occasions, he likens his kingdom to this, this big feast. Well, let me tell you, his audience... And really, the earlier readers of this book, that is, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th century, something like that, they saw that as a, as a picture of, of consummate blessedness. What could be better than ongoing feasting 
<laughs> wow. I mean, I'll never have to get up and look for food again. I mean, what, what more could a man ask for than that all of his needs are met? Then you come to the food test that Jesus endured. The one I read you about, Matthew 4. He's out there in the desert, by the way, led by the Spirit. It was no accident that he was out there. He was out there because God led him there. Uh, Very frankly, if Satan could have avoided this confrontation in Matthew 4, he would have. But he couldn't. It It was God's idea. So there's Jesus out in the middle of a desert, hadn't eaten in 40 days, and, and, um, and the devil comes and says, uh, okay, if you're the son of man, why don't you take those rocks over there and turn them into um, loaves of bread, food test. And um, Jesus' reply is, is just really baffling. It really is. Um, he says, wait a second, you know, uh, uh, don't you understand... I mean, it starts really interesting. He says, it is written. First of all, Jesus uh, lives by the authority of the Scriptures, just like you and I are supposed to do. I mean, you know, I live under the, uh, the scrutiny of this book, just like you do. But he says, it is written. And here's what, it, here's what was written. Man is not to live by bread alone. He's to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. <laughs> Oops. Now, gang, that's what you call a mixed metaphor. There's two metaphors in the same sentence, and and they don't exactly coalesce. Man shall not live by bread alone. Now, I get that part. I mean, um, putting food in my belly is something I understand. It's that other part I don't get. Um, but But we'll live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What in the world does that mean? You know, I'm not really sure. I don't think I know everything that it means. But I'm sure of this much. What Jesus does with that statement is that he places a priority of one's spiritual life over one's physical. That's pretty clear. He says, um, you spend a whole lot of time trying to make sure that your needs are met. Physical and otherwise. And I'm telling you, that's not life. That ain't it. You're hustling around like a bunch of bansies, making sure there's something else you can stuff in your mouth. And I'm telling you, that's not life. I even thought maybe maybe it has something to do with the fact that John 1 calls Jesus the Word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Or, or in, in, interestingly, the language just proceeds from the mouth of God. It's not like it comes out of it. It just proceeds. And it, and it reminded me, maybe, maybe he's talking about himself. I don't know that. But I do know this much. Jesus says there's a priority here. And the priority is not that you meet your physical needs first. Now, guys, um, if, you, if you take a look at this food test in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus underwent and thankfully passed, there's a whole lot of benefit there for us. 
Because no one else in the entire Bible ever passes a food test. Adam, they fail. He failed. Israel, ah, he failed. Peter, he failed. They all failed. Jesus passed his, and because he did, guys, there's enough bread for everybody. But not that. There's enough available to meet all of my spiritual longings because he passed. Because he fasted, I'm invited to a feast. Because he is the Lamb of God slaughtered. Because he is bread that is broken. I have every piece of food that I could possibly want or need. But I'm not talking about the food that goes in and then comes out. That's not what the Bible's talking about either. Because, because man doesn't live by bread alone. You know what the early church was doing when they would have the Lord's Supper? Uh, Paul addresses it in 1 Corinthians 11. The early church would get together, and because they were so hungry, they would eat up all the bread just because I'm making it a meal. Let me tell you something. This ain't a meal. You're not going to get enough of it to fill your stomach. Because, you see, man doesn't live by bread alone. No, 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 no. There is a priority about life. And I'm telling you, I think most of us have it all wacky. Gang, there is only one bread that will satisfy you. There is only one bread that will stay. The, other, the rest of it goes. Bread comes, bread goes. But there's one bread that remains. And it's that one. Now, you're not thinking that I am saying that that bread stays. Are you? Because no, no, no. I'm saying that that bread symbolizes something that stays. It satisfies. And so when you, when you eat that, the issue has nothing to do about it being a physical taste in your mouth and stomach. Guys, in a, in a very related way, this sacrament is a food test. Because you're about to undergo a food test. You're going to be given something. It's going to be placed in your hand. And it's going to ask you a series of questions. That is, this food test asks you a series of questions. And, and the questions go something like this. What are you going to eat to nourish your soul? What will you, what will you eat? What will you use to satisfy the longings of your life? Where will you go to find forgiveness of sin that you know that you've committed? To whom will you turn 
to reconcile you to God. Where will you go to be fed? To whom will you look as your source of food? There are only two options, guys. The first option is yourself and some form of self-salvation. The other option is you eat his flesh and you drink his blood. You do know that's why that the early Romans called the Christians cannibals, don't you? Because they misunderstood what I just said. Gang, you have one of two options to satisfy the longings of your soul. Either some form of self-salvation or Christ. This sacrament, gang, is a reminder that the only meal that makes you healthy is the one that's provided in his broken body and his shed blood. The, the only satisfaction of the soul's great longings is in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The only meal that staves off spiritual starvation is the bread of his flesh and the wine of his blood. The only meat, the only drink for sin is that which is offered by the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So, man doesn't live by bread. We live by that which proceeds out of the mouth of God for us. And I'm inviting you in the name of Christ Jesus to lay hold of some of that this morning. Let's pray. Our Father, I do pray that what goes on here to today will be far more than the taste of some kind of grape juice and the chewing of some kind of bread, but that those two emblems will simply remind us of the great provisions of the broken body and the shed blood of Christ Jesus the Lord. And I pray, Lord, that this will be more than ritual for us, that as we handle these, these things, that we'll be reminded that there is a priority of the spiritual over the temporal. There's a priority of the spiritual over the natural. There's a priority of the spiritual over the physical. And to miss that is to miss heaven. I pray that you would remind us of all of that just now, for Jesus' sake.